Hello there. We're Vincent Elliott McNally. Yes, the great-great-grandsons of map-making mogul Rand McNally. And we'll be your hosts and tour guides on a trip across America, one small town at a time. In the spirit of our great-great-grandfather, we're traveling the country writing the family's first almanac in over 50 years. Towns and Country, the McNally Brothers' comprehensive guide to small-town America. Each week we'll be in a new town, and after getting to know the place and the people, we'll tell you, the listener, all there is to know. In a show we call These Parts, a podcast putting towns on the map. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of These Parts. I'm Vince McNally, and with me this week, as he is every week, to my unending pleasure and good fortune, it's my brother, Elliot McNally. Elliot, how's it going today? I'm doing great, Vince. How are you? Well, I'm doing just great, too. Talk about an interesting town. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, places in this in this crazy, mixed-up country of ours. You know, they have an interesting foundation story. Mm-hmm. They come mm-hmm. from interesting places. Very rarely have we stumbled into a city so purposeful in its inception. I couldn't agree more, Vince. You know, uh, we're in the Pacific Northwest this week, and as we traveled around, it's it's pretty obvious to realize all the different town names that are uh, the same as out east. And, you know, that's because explorers and pioneers named towns out here what they named uh, towns back east. But rarely do you find a sequel town name. In fact, you, you never really find it. I think this is the only one. So far that we've encountered, this is the only one. And we're in a town called Seattle 2. Yes, you heard correctly. That's Seattle with the number two after it. You guys are going to like this town as much as we have been. Vince, should we put this town on the map? Let's not waste any time, Elliot. Let's get right to it. So listeners at home, take out your comprehensive Rand McNally U.S. wall maps in whatever form you have and your commemorative push pins and get ready to stick a pin in Seattle, too. Seattle, too, is a a town whose inhabitants insist that they prefer the sequel. And usually, you know, it's not demode to like the sequel better, except in Seattle, too. Uh, A lot of people prescribe to that old adage that first is worst and second is best around here. What is third again in in, in that old adage, Elliot? Can you... Tell our listeners, because I'm blanking on it. What is third? First is worst. I know that. Yeah, that's second, for sure. Second is the best. That's right. Huh. In Seattle, too, third is the one with the very hipstery, hairy chest. Oh, uh, interesting. They have their own saying. Too bad we don't have time for a say what segment today. Anyway, Elliot, we don't have to extol the virtues of Seattle, too, on our own, do we? No, we have a guest today. Uh, he's lived here, uh, I think, all his life. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, it's me. It's Benji Bulk Section. Um, yeah, I live in Seattle, too, and I have since time immemorial, I guess. Uh, Benji Bulk Section is your name? Yeah, B-U-L-K-S-E-C-T-I-O-N. Oh, thanks for spelling that out for us. <laughs> no problem. First name B-E-N-J-J-I. Two J's. <laughs> Two J's. That's cool. Yeah, one wasn't enough, you know. It so rarely is. Mm. Benji, what do you do in Seattle, too? Well, I'm a professional bicyclist deliverer. So I deliver bikes with a bike. 
Um, I ride my bike holding another bicycle and deliver the second bicycle to someone who needs a new bicycle or a used one. We don't discriminate based on newness. <laughs> are, are you an independent contractor or do you work for a business doing this? I work for a cooperative group. It's cooperatively owned. Um, no one owns us except ourselves, the workers. Mm, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does from a variety of vantages. Um, for starters, as workers, we we have a you know a collective set of um, values that we all ascribe to, and therefore we control what we do. And also, then we are the primary beneficiaries, and it's not just money going up some glorified pyramid scheme. I have to take this opportunity to, in a completely unrelated matter, compliment your mustache that is sort of molded into the shape of Karl Marx's face. Mm, yes. Um, it took a lot of work, but um, obviously you can see it's worth it. Um, I <laughs> actually use bicycle grease. Um, I prefer Pedro's brand because I know it to be ecologically mm. sustainable. <laughs> and um, I just actually use that in my stash and over the years have managed to make a fairly significant piece of art out of it. But it's not for sale. It is not for sale. <laughs> I hadn't imagined that it might be, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to know. Benji, could I ask you to do us a favor and stick a pin in Seattle, too, so our listeners might know where it is on the map? Absolutely. All right, I've done it. Well, thanks for using your uh, a little bicycle chain link pin. That's really great. Anytime. So, so rarely do they bring their own pins on the show. Uh, I can tell it's going to be a good one. Tell us a little bit about Seattle, too, why it exists, why you came here, and, and, and why not Seattle 1? Well, I've lived in Seattle, too, my entire life, um, but I've paid a number of visits to Seattle, one, simply to get perspective, you know, and it's just Seattle, too, is essentially, it's better in every way. Everything that Seattle does, Seattle, too, not only does better, but it does better, you know, underlined and italicized. <laughs> Better mm. from a 360 holistic, you know, viewpoint. Um, not just the end product, but the process in Seattle too yields um, betterness at every step of the way. For example, mm. you know, Seattle is known for its coffee, right? And where Starbucks started. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have been to the quote quote-unquote original first Starbucks. Well, um, Seattle, too, is actually home to the first, second Starbucks. Um, but it's not called Starbucks because we don't believe in multinational conglomerates that provide food. We, we believe in a holistic approach. So there is star B-U-C-X-X. -X. Again, it has to have two. Um, and that's Starbucks... Um, for Seattle too, and it is the first second of its nature that has ever happened. Elliot, I don't know about you, but I'm having a little trouble keeping track where exactly in the timeline Starbucks mm. exists. But that's neither here nor there. Um, what other what other things uh, are are unique to Seattle too that you might be able to compare to Seattle for those who have been to that city, but not this one? Mm. Unique or tuning? Mm, well put, Bynik even. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, they're really, um, they escape description in many ways. So I just have to tell people, come and visit Seattle too. Um, but don't do it in a fossil fuel burning car or you will be held up at the border. But 
We have, um, so Seattle is known for being right on an ocean, right? Or a bay, at least, with ocean water in it. Well, mm-hmm. Seattle, too, we found saline water to be actually counterproductive to what we have going on here. So <laughs> we have a large lake in the middle of our town, and um, we call it um, Peugeot Sound, and um, it's named after the French brand of cars. And, it's, and bicycles. And bicycles, yes, exactly. I'm so glad you did your research. Um, so uh, Peugeot Sound, though, is a fairly small lake, but um, we allow it to grow boggy-like, and you can actually walk on it in the summer months when the vegetation is at its peak. And it provides a natural carbon sink and also a source of fresh oxygen for the residents. That's most ecological. Um, it really is. I'm glad that uh, Elliot and I have converted our RV to run on uh, hate mail that we burn mm-hmm. as sort of I'm a, sure. we, it's, it's really, I mean, perhaps it's not the most ecological, but it's, de- it's like killing two birds with one stone. Not that we condone the killing of birds with any amount of stones, but uh, we have so much of it lying around that we figured, you know, it doesn't serve to waste this. Right. If you're going to kill birds, you might as well save the resources of a second stone and just use one to kill two. And there's that two again. I feel like two is just this mm. perpetual number that keeps coming up in this town and you've described different things you need two of. But are there any mm. other things in Seattle that there are two of and that it's known for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Seattle has the Space Needle, which is mm-hmm. an overwrought <laughs> Oh, to mechanical sh- uh, crap, excuse my French. <laughs> and um, But what we have done is we have built the space scissors. Um, as you know, scissors comes from the Latin root, which means two. And that's why it's a double-bladed mechanism. So it looks like a pair of scissors pointing into the sky um, and cutting the clouds. I mean, that's beautiful. It also explains your town motto, which is, Scissors beats paper. Exactly. And it really does, you know? So it really, really does. If you, if you run out of hate mail, you might have to get some scissors because it beats it. Benji, well said. I'm anxious, Elliot, to sort of take a more microscopic look at what's going on, not just in Seattle, too, but in the specific neighborhoods around. Should we mm-hmm. dive into our first segment? I think we should, Vince. And that's the weekly Where's Vince? <laughs> So, listeners, uh, the Weekly Where's Vince is my favorite segment. It's where we, and by we I mean I, spend some extra time in one or several of the specific neighborhoods in a city to get to know their local customs, their culture, the people that make the town great. Seattle, too, has a ton of interesting neighborhoods, as I'm sure, Benji, you know. I'll get your thoughts on your favorite in a second, but I wanted to talk about my personal favorite neighborhood here in Seattle, too. Oh, I'm dying to hear this, Vince. It's called Mallard. Mm. Mallard is uh, it's a neighborhood uh, near near the lake, Puget Sound, uh, and it's overrun by ducks that are native to the area. As it should be. Are there human inhabitants in this neighborhood, or is it only ducks? There are human inhabitants. They sort of live a subservient existence to the ducks, which... Uh, are in charge of the neighborhood, both physically and economically. And emotionally. And emotionally, it must be said. The ducks rove Mallard in sort of... I, I, I hesitate to call them gangs. Uh, I also hesitate to call them gaggles. But they sort of bully 
any human inhabitants into doing their bidding, uh, mainly breaking into the bakeries in the area, tearing up bread, scattering it in the streets. It's they really run the area, you know. It's really it's overtaken. It's simultaneously tragic and how it should be, you know. Vince, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I heard that. Uh, there used to be a different kind of duck that lived in this neighborhood. And as these new ducks heard it was a great neighborhood and cool things started popping up, the migratory pattern actually shifted of these new ducks and pushed the old ducks to the fringe. Is an almost like gentrification migration. Yeah, they call it gentrification, actually. The the ducks that live there now, um, they're sort of from a higher socioeconomic status and they sort of live there not only because uh, there's plenty of splashing area available to them, but also and because it sort of has some cachet. Uh, mm. they're, they're not living there out of need, more out of want. Mm. So the old ducks have been pushed out of their social state, but at least there's like cool bars and stuff there now. Exactly. You were, you were going to say, Benji. Uh, I was just going to quickly correct. Um, the previous inhabitants were actually not ducks. Um, it's a common confusion. They looked gray. They, people thought they were ducks, but they're actually ge- they were actually geese. Um, oh. Common misconception, um, but not gray ducks, geese. Very important distinction to me. I mean, what kind of a backwards culture would mistake a goose for a gray duck? So many. So many. I do want to get your thoughts on a neighborhood that maybe I haven't been to. But first, could you explain to me what's going on in Queen Pam, which is a sort of upscale part of Seattle, too, that... I, I only had the pleasure of dropping by for a few a few short hours. Um, what's up? It's the greenest part of town, um, both in terms of the visuals. Um, it has a great deal of um, vegetation lining the streets there, and the streets themselves are paved in grass. And so it's literally a green area that also um, believes itself to be a um, carbon neutral zero waste area. And so mm-hmm. when you enter it, anything you bring in must be composted or consumed in a way that does not negatively infect the air, water, or creatures around you. And um, the way it got its name is Pam, um, uh, of the name Pam. That, that's actually Pam Beasley from the American right. version of The Office, right? Right, right. Because yes, the people exactly. of uh, Seattle, too, insist that the British office is better, and so they ironically named this neighborhood after the sequel. Mm-hmm. Nearly every um, neighborhood has a name that is dripping with irony, um, and that's part of how you know um, when you're out and about who gets it. And who doesn't, you know? But yeah, it's called Pam after Pam Beasley, um, the cheap um, room knockoff. And um, anyway, um, Pam was a real inspiration, the real Pam um, to us all. Sustainable, sustainable. Are you just saying sustainable? Yeah, um, I was going to say words to live by, but it's just one word. Sometimes, in rare instances, one word says said twice is all you need. Sustainable, sustainable. <laughs> now, those are words to live by. And, you know, speaking of ironic neighborhoods, I want to point out another neighborhood, Vince, I don't know if you went to, that's Capitol Hill. And uh, in Seattle, one, Seattle proper, Capitol Hill is named after... Washington, D.C. Capitol. In Seattle, too, Capitol Hill is ironically named, and it's an almost anarchist establishment. Mm, mm. And it's a ditch. It's a low-lying area. There's nothing <laughs> hill about it. It's more of a valley than a hill. Exactly. Benji, 
what what neighborhoods have we failed to touch on? Did we, have we missed any really interesting ones that I you know I, we only have a week here in the city. It's it's unexpected for us to get to all of them. But well, yes, um, the piers um, are a delightful area. Um, it's a relatively small lake, um, Peugeot. Um, however, it is lined in a variety of, of piers, which allow people to walk out into um, the water, the bog area, and experience a more three hundred and sixty view of nature without having to leave the comforts of land. And the piers um, have a variety of um, tiny house dwelling inhabitants um, that you can visit. Um, and part of the um, zoning that allows you to build a tiny house on a tiny pier in a tiny lake is that um, you must be open to visitation um, at all times. And that's part of how we have a communal collective society here um, is uh, that we are open to strangers popping by and saying, hello, I'm a human let's meet where we are, which is humanity. Terrific. It's also uh, a huge money draw for the town because there are dozens of HGTV tiny house builders uh, and shows being produced on the piers at all times. That may be um, important to the overall quote-unquote economy, um, but I find it to be um, a less important facet of the city to focus on. We're not about entertaining other people. We're about building small, efficiently designed homes. And if some of the funding for them comes from elsewhere, um, again, I choose not to acknowledge the broader quote-unquote economy. Well, I'm suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the name of the neighborhood down with the free market mont is making a lot of sense to me uh well thanks thanks for that insight into what's going on here in in seattle too elliot i feel like i wish i could stay here forever and just get to know every little neighborhood but it's just not possible technically you can you have free will (laughs) makes a valid point vince we could Uh, i yeah touche but in in the confines of this one episode that we're in i think we should move on to our next segment and hear from some of you guys the listeners it's a segment called wouldn't you like to know so listeners uh as you might be familiar with wouldn't you like to know is your opportunity to write into us with your specific questions queries and inquisitions for us and our guests about the town that we are currently visiting. Uh, Elliot, I think that you have the first the first question for us. I do. This one is from Lewis in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, love Pittsburgh. Thanks for writing, Lewis. Lewis says, um, I've never gotten a chance to go out to Seattle 1, but now that I've heard about Seattle 2, who needs it? Mm, well, Great call, Lewis. <laughs> well he said, the, the one thing that would draw me to Seattle 1 would be its many famous landmarks. But what does Seattle 2 have to offer in terms of landmarks? Ah, what a good question. So we've already talked about the Space Needle versus the Space Scissors, but what other landmarks have been made in reaction to Seattle 1's landmarks? Well, um, there is um, an oceanographic um, museum right on the water in Seattle that I happen to know about. Um, We don't have Mm -hmm. that, um, but we do have um, an area that we encourage people to sit and be with nature um, without the walls of aquariums keeping the creatures locked in. We just call it sit, think, and be. 
And I believe that to be actually um, a better nature experience overall. Um, that and um, the uh, Hendrix theme, there's a rock museum. I don't remember the name of it mm. in Seattle one. The Jimi Hendrix experience, is that it? Or something. Anyway, um, we actually have the Carlos Santana Sanitarium. Um, and it's a combination planetarium rock museum. So you learn about the celestial beings while also being um, surrounded through 360 degrees of surround sound, um, 8.4 Dolby surround, um, and with the sounds of rock music, specifically just guitar licks from Santana songs. Um, until you've been surrounded by 8.4 surround sound of Santana licks, you don't um, fully appreciate his mastery of that singular instrument. That led to the discovery of this new uh, solar system, I think. It did, yeah. <laughs> We might have um, a brother-sister planet out there now. There are several in the the good, the feel-good zone, or whatever it's called, where life can be sustained. No, I think that is the astrological term, the feel-good zone. The feel um, zone. <laughs> it's also the name of my um, <clears throat> second bicycle, which, of course, is my preferred. Your bicycle's name is Feel-Good Zone? Right, yeah. Um, think about the way you sit upon a bicycle, and the name starts to make a great deal of sense in a purient kind of way. Uh, well, I, I feel like, Elliot, we still have a few hours after this interview. We should uh, try to drop by the sit, think, be spot, mm -hmm. and uh, and the definitely the Carlos Santanitarium. I completely agree with it. Recommend. <laughs> well, hopefully if you make it out here, the listener's name, Elliot? Uh, Lewis. Lewis, if you make it out here, I think you should see those places as well. Mm. You know, I've got the next question for us, Elliot. Great. Uh, this one comes from Jane in Janesville, Wisconsin. Oh, that's pretty cute. That's fun. I wonder if she's not the Jane in question, I imagine. If it's a new town, maybe. You never know. That's another good point, Benji. Uh, Jane writes... Seattle 2, so much better than Seattle 1. It seems like there's a resounding agreeance from our listeners that Seattle 2 is just way better. Her penmanship is sort of this scrawling, unamused cursive is the best way I can describe it. Uh, she goes on to say, Seattle 2 also has the best flicks, mm. best flick of all, Deliverance 2, mm. set in Seattle 2. Talk about it or don't. I think for the sake of the segment, we probably should talk about it. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, it's what we do as a, as a program. Deliverance 2, haven't heard about it, haven't heard of it. Benji, can you expound? Absolutely. Um, best movie, honestly, it should win best picture, every year, um, rather than, you know, only the year it was made. Um, Deliverance 2 is a journey. Um, it's about the people and the city and the city in the people, not just the people in the city. And they're in a boat on Lake Peugeot um, that they're paddling. Things go a bit awry. They have some awkward interactions with some of the local mallards, but in the end, everyone learns more about themselves and also more about the city in which we all are confined, the city of life. This is the, the film, I, it's starting to come back to me with that very vibrant description, the mm. dueling mandolins scene. Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, a classic for the ages. So high-pitched, a lot of picking, fast-moving. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, that's really taking me back to it. Yeah, yeah. I think Mumford and Sons provided the soundtrack to it. They did, they did, yeah. All of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, together. Mumford, sons, Mumford yeah. and every son was actually that's that's some 13 odd mandolins all going at once which is the minimum required for a, an exceptional 
um, film score, if you ask me. Really? Absolutely. Just to clarify, Benji, you mean to posit that no film score can be considered great should they utilize any fewer than 13 mandolins? Absolutely. Um, I've long said John Williams is the most overrated mandolinless composer of our time. <laughs> um, he rarely employs the mandolin and yet is heaped with accolades at every turn. But where, I ask John, where, Mr. Williams, where are your mandolins? Nowhere. Heavy question to be leveled against someone who yes. calls himself a creator. Vince, I wish we had like a bell of some kind to denote uh, a listener actually getting something about the, the Deliverance franchise correct for once. Has it been done before, Elliot? Is this, a, is this literally a first? I think, well, I guess maybe we can't count it because it's Deliverance 2 and we've um, gotten several... Uh, Maybe like three or four letters about Deliverance 1. Was it four letters now about the first Deliverance movie? I think so. Just a few confused listeners, but usually everyone else seems to be on their game with that. Uh, Benji, it looks like you're already unfurling the final question for us. Mm, It's true. Um, This one's from Donnie. Um, He doesn't even list where he's from, which is a cruel twist of irony. (laughs) Donnie simply says, hey, why... He just wants to know why. Um, well, Donnie, um, I can take this one if you want. Is is that all right? Yeah, yes, please. please, Benji. Take it away. Um, Donnie, um, I'm glad you asked that. Um, many people wonder the same thing. You wake up in the morning and you turn over and you, you see your handmade wooden alarm clock not ringing. And again, you're late for your job which thankfully is at a cooperative place where lateness is not considered bad. But then you think, why, you know? It's the question that plagues all of us as humans. And so, Donnie, I guess the answer to your question is simply yes. You know, you have to say yes to the challenges that face you and get up and get on your bicycle regardless of the temperature and uh, road conditions. And if you need studded tires, put them on um, and ride and press your pedals to the metals and let it go. Um, So, yes, Donnie. Yes. Yes, Donnie. I feel like there were so many metaphors layered in what you just uh, talked about with Donnie that, mm. you know, I, I kind of get have to get my head around it. It's, it was amazing. Well, thank you. Um, I prefer to speak indirectly. It's rare for, wouldn't you like to know, to be so profound and motivational. So, you know, thanks. Thank you, thanks Donnie. not only to Donnie for asking, but hey, thanks to you, Benji, for answering. It was in, in my pleasure. You know, Vince, I think we have some more pleasure along the way with our next segment. Oh, what a rare treat it is, Elliot. It's called Town Sounds. Listeners, we only break out town sounds when we know that we are going to be in a city that is subsisted on music and that music is an integral part of. And there's no other city that I think better describes this than Seattle, too. Absolutely. Seattle, the original, uh, known, of course, for its part in the evolution of punk into the grunge countercultural movement. Seattle, too, wants to separate itself from what they call a played-out sound as much as possible. Isn't that right, Benji? Yes, um, absolutely. Grunge um, became unbelievably mainstream. Just look at the amount of money and records that were sold, and that's your answer right there. Um, So we wanted to separate ourselves um, from what has become just an exercise in making uh, music executives wealthy and actually have something 
to say. I couldn't have put it better myself. What a noble cause for the music scene here. And Elliot, I know you and I have done our paces listening to some extremely cool local acts at some of the watering holes and coffee shops around the area. Literally the watering hole in Mallard was Mm. a great place to to watch a a bunch of musicians play. And find delicious breadcrumbs too while you're there. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I was about to talk about... Um, a one man band sort of he had those uh, those really cool symbols that you strapped to your knees and he had the mm-hmm. harmonica set up uh, and then he had the the uh, little um, air horns under his armpits so he could burp, burp, clang clang mm-hmm. that sort of thing uh, mm-hmm. I was writing up my review of him and then the ducks had chased him into the lake oh I didn't see oh him my. emerge from the other side so we're gonna have to skip him and go mm-hmm. right to Elliot who I think you, you did the first expose. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. Uh, I, I went to a place. It's kind of like this cool coffee shop, but it's not. It's like a bar, but it's not. But you listen to music there, but you don't need to. It's mm. called Peugeot Sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a bunch of different bands. And like as you guys all know, open mics are an amazing place to see bands. You know, they're, mm. they're always polished. They know what they're doing. Uh, and you can discover so much. And the guys that I discovered were called the Washingtones. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were um, this like very 50s inspired doo-wop group that I feel like is such a, a fresh sound nowadays. And they couldn't have been more disparate from that grunge punk, as you stated, Benji, uh, this really uh, overdrawn out musical scene. So we have a clip from uh, Washingtones right here. see what i mean guys like they're so unique how can you not smile when you hear something like that it's it's kind of a, a polar opposite to the everything grunge stood for so much clave i mean exactly. it, it I can't be it. ignored the clave is ringing through in that piece i love it i love mm-hmm. the clave it's made of wood it's an earth sound what i love about that is you think of seattle one and you think of these like pulsing distorted guitars and Dave Grohl doing some crazy thing on the drums, who knows what. And then you just throw that in the garbage and you bring out the Washingtons and you see what music really is. As long as you accidentally don't end up with the band garbage, then you'll be fine. (laughs) That's very true. Good to note. Guys, I want to talk about the venue first that I went to. Great. What was that, Vince? It's it's an empty lot full of found furniture. Uh, with a improvised microphone, which is the inside of a megaphone, kind of mm. stripped out and lashed to a nearby branch. See, I love that. It's like, why does the venue need to define where we listen to music? Exactly. Exactly. You get it. You get it. I want to talk about a, a wonderful 27-piece ensemble that I saw called Gluch Oh, yeah, Gluch yeah. Yep. Uh, they are, they're very interesting. They practice, um, you know, Asian step throat singing. Mm. So that is interesting. And they all sing together while throwing dried gourds around to each other. Uh, occasionally the gourds will smack into one another mid flight, creating sort mm. of a percussion undertone. What better instrument? It's like gymnastic performance almost. Uh, well, most of them are 
in really poor physical health. So I would not call it an athletic display of any kind. Uh, the tossing of the gourds is sort of like meekly done uh, mm-hmm. while they while they sing in their in their sort of dissonant throaty tone. But mm-hmm. it was it was I have to say it was a spiritual experience. It was mm-hmm. unlike wow. any music I've ever heard before. Certainly unlike the music I heard a few seconds ago. Wow, well, I, I'm dying to hear this. Do you have a clip? I sure do. Let's let's play. I have it on vinyl. Hopefully that's all right. Better. Right. I, you know, Benji, I'm sure you'll agree that vinyl is the, the best way to listen to music. Is there another way? I mean, I was looking for it on wax cylinder, but mm-hmm. um, it, they didn't have those available at the merch shop. Yeah. Uh, wax is actually less sustainable than vinyl, so it's a better choice to use vinyl. Because you have to employ bees to make right. wax. Yeah, stop enslaving our bees, wax makers. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Bert. You heard it here first, <laughs> big wax. Well, let's listen to the clip. I may be the first to say more like Kurt Nobain. Well said. Well, well, put. well said. Well a put. a poignant jab at the late artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. He has it coming. What I was most moved by was how long that clip was. Yeah, we, we had to uh, cut it off. But um, how, how long was the actual song? Because it was it kept going after the clip, right? I spent my first two days listening to that song here in Seattle. That's where you were. Okay, that's that's right. I was very hungry by the end of it. Then it uh, did its job. Yeah, if you have like a visceral response to music, I think that makes it more powerful. Mm. Well, Benji, I I'm almost feeling a fool to even dare to ask, but I'm sure that you know some of the most interesting, innovative, and, and hottest acts here in Seattle too. You, you brought a clip to share as well. Can you introduce that to us? Of course I, of course I can. Um, a, a lot of people like to rank bands and create top 10 lists and sure. 11 lists and even 20, top 20 lists. And I don't believe in the listification of art forms. And so I've don't want to say that this is the um, best music, but I will say that um, on a personal level, this has moved me um, in a more profound way than any other music ever has. Um, it's called <laughs> S- Splash Guard Danger Face, um, and um, it's a 16-person um, uh, outfit. Um, their genders aren't important, so don't ask. And they make music using only um, rainforest wood, um, but rainforest wood that they themselves... Um, rode down to Brazil to harvest in a sustainable way. Um, so you'll notice there's a lot of percussion. How do they get down to Brazil? Do they bicycle it down to Brazil? To uh, that would be the um, sort of standard, obvious answer. Yes, but actually they um, they took an ultralight, which is a very small, um, tiny, itty bitty airplane. Um, but it was <laughs> fueled um, only by waste oil um, from uh, sustainably harvested French fries, um, and um, wow. they took an ultralight down because. Um, so, uh, it's actually surprising, but throughout much of Latin America, much to our detriment, there are no bike lanes, which needs to change. Well, I, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to hear what these guys sound like so bad. And you have a clip for us, right? I do. Yeah. Here it is. Is that Cocoa Tree Castanets that I'm picking up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
You have an ear of um, an impressive human. Hey, thank you, Benji. That is really kind of you to say. You're welcome. It sounded like uh, like a very faint screech of some sort of Brazilian macaw or something in the background. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Actually, they did. They um, humanely trapped and gained the permission of a macaw um, to bring it back here. Um, they're verbal birds, and so it was able to consent to being um, trafficked, uh, is the government's term anyway, trafficked back to the United States um, to be a song bird to play in songs or i should say screech in songs he's the only he's the only paid member of that group if i'm reading the back of their album correctly that's yeah. true um he's the only one who actually um broke um the collective spirit and um demanded um to be paid um luckily it is only to be paid in cacao beans and um so it's fairly um cost effective wow well when you think of you know musical history to, to take more of the thirty thousand foot view of this Mm-hmm. Um, and you see bands like Nirvana who created music in response to the very um, produced culture before them. And then you hear something like this mm-hmm. that is a complete in response to that whole post-punk grunge movement. And, and it's just very enlightening. Yeah, it's a response to a response, which in a way makes it a statement. I've never even thought about that. I think we can all agree that this the, the the clips that we listened to today were not only very different from grunge, but very different from one another. Seattle too is definitely a hotbed of music uh, of all shapes, sizes, and kinds. Mm-hmm. Elliot, I'm not even going to segue. I'm just going to say it's time for some. Did you know, listeners? Did you know is our rapid fire fast fact segment where we fire five facts at you from whatever town we're in. Guys, I've got the first one. Let's hear it. It was inspired by this previous segment, actually. We've talked a lot about music. Seattle's known for sub-pop records. Seattle, too, is actually known for sub-sub-pop records. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Even Mm -hmm. further down. Yeah, even further down. And Benji, do you have an insight into the process? I mean, you found... Uh, those guys that we just listened to, how does sub-sub-pop records find the newest, coolest musicians? Well, they roam the sewers, um, and um, (laughs) most of the best music in town is actually audible from the sewers. Uh, We have a highly integrated um, wastewater management system throughout the city that makes it so uh, things that happen acoustically on one side of the city that really resonate um, can be heard nearly anywhere if you climb down into a sewer. (laughs) And because of that, um, that's how they got their name of sub sub pop so so all the different musical critics are down there just listening through sewer pipes to see if something catches their ear exactly yeah exactly how fascinating i didn't know that elliot and benji i i know that you didn't know this because it just came over the wire i've got my local seattle 2 app open and a news blurb lit just splashed on screen saying sub sub pop records just signed Sergeant Sugarbeak, who's going solo. And there's a picture of that macaw. Oh my goodness, that is, I'm going to make a lot of people um, angry, sad, and broken. Mm He's so Mm -hmm. selfish. There's always that response when uh, a member of a group breaks free and does their own thing. But hopefully this this is a a new leaf for uh, Sergeant Sugarbeak. Never work with a bird. (laughs) Well, that's that's definitely one fact for you listeners, (laughs) but... Benji, do you have the next Did You Know for us? I do. Um, did you know um, that um, Seattle 
um, is known for rainy weather, um, but Seattle too is known for sunshine. Um, it's just um, always sunny due to um, a geothermal uh, connection under the earth that has been harnessed to provide um, constant streams of um, LED efficient lighting um, above the city. Um, it's like street lamps, but they're hundreds of feet into the air, um, built on entirely on uh, native growth trees. Um, and the LEDs light up the entire city um, 24 hours a day year-round to provide constant um, effective sunshine. So seasonal affective dif- disorder and other um, seasonally related depression events um, do not occur here. So if you suffer from SAD, um, Seattle 2 may be the cure you seek. Well, I only understood maybe 20% of the words that were said in that Did You Know <laughs> fact, so it was really news to me. I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's, it's I who should apologize. Diction is a shared response. <laughs> it's so interesting that you guys reverse engineered the weather systems of the Pacific Northwest to better suit Seattle too, to mm-hmm. uh, sunlight. And uh, you eloquently put it, hopefully I can be as eloquent in this. Guys, did you know that there is um, a burgeoning retail establishment here for people who need glasses? Is that an affirmative groan? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an affirmative groan. Absolutely. A lot of people find that with the constant LED lighting around, it can actually have a negative impact on our vision. Um, and so eyeglasses industry has sprung up um, here in town to accommodate our lack of vision capabilities currently. What's interesting, though, is that uh, even though the sun is uh, detrimental to people's eyes, this place, it's called Morby Parker, uh, with a little mm. two in the logo, um, mm. is it actually for people who want to wear glasses but don't need a prescription. So they're all mm. glasses without lenses. Once again, um, irony. Yes, it seems so. Um, though I will say, the people who actually do need corrective vision, you're, you're non-discriminatory against uh, the differently abled here in Seattle too, they tend to go with a pair of monocles instead mm-hmm. of actual eyeglasses. Yeah, the actual piece across the bridge of the eye, um, in addition to the parts that go to your ear, um, use an unnecessary amount of additional resources. And so the truly sustainable, mm-hmm. sustainable choice is um, monocle, monocle. They call that bi- bionicles? Is that right? Yes, some people <laughs> choose to call it bionicle. Um, I prefer monocle, monocle. To each their own. Um, I didn't know that. But did you guys know that on the famous piers of Lake Peugeot, there is a burgeoning open-air tofu market. Mm, I'm surprised I didn't hear about this, Vince. I would have been all over that. I'm surprised you didn't literally hear it as the tofu slingers yell out to one another, foo's up, and and throw large bricks of wet foo, as they call it here, uh, to one another. It's slippery. It's very hard to catch, but worth it when you do. They use those tofu foo bricks to create some of the buildings in town, right? That's true. There's nothing more sustainable than soy paste as a building material. We tried to use seitan for a while, but we found that seitan is not as structurally sound or mm-hmm. tasty. Mm-hmm. So you guys are eating the buildings, too? Occasionally. Um, we have actually a yearly festival in the summer months, um, which mm-hmm. are hard to distinguish from the winter months due to the lighting, but um, in the summer months we have a festival called um eat where you live and um you literally eat the home you live in if it's made of um tofu and there's nothing more appealing than a brick of tofu that's been <laughs> sitting in the sun for hours on end let me tell you guys very true what a fascinating culture or dare i say a fascinating counterculture here in seattle too you've been so generous to us benji 
And uh, I just got to say thank you. Thank you for oh, joining us on the show. Thank you for joining me um, in Seattle, too. And I hope that you will exercise your free will and not only travel back, but come and live here um, and be part of the collective. That, that's a, a great sentiment to live by, Vince. It makes me think, am I exercising my own free will by pushing us into our final segment? Or has it just been that we've done this for so long that the segment itself is pushing me to make it? Are we a slave to our own inertia, Elliot? And podcasting. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, th- that's that's definitely something to ponder in, in this uh, next segment. Wish you were here. So listeners, uh, we wish that you could all join us in all of the cities that we go to. Uh, but we can't do it. It can't be done. No. But the next best thing is an audio postcard from Vince and I to you, letting you know that we're always thinking about you. It goes something like this. Dear listeners, wish you were here in Seattle to Washington. A city that is so much better than the original in every possible way, shape, and form. A city inhabited by probably one of the coolest people we've ever met, Benji Bulk Section. A town that, despite... All of its advantages, the space scissors, the beautiful neighborhood of Mallard where ducks roam the streets in violent gangs, it still managed to fill you with a sense of ennui. And I could go so far as to say it fills you with a sense of nirvana, but I would not want to make it close to that that band in any way, shape, or form because the music scene is so different from nirvana. A town where if you're looking to be sustainable and looking for a change, you came to the right place. Um, farewell um, from these parts to yours. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us in Seattle too. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and hope you come back next week. Next week we're in Newton, Virginia and that's the neighbor to a colonial reenactment town called Fredericksburg. Newton is in constant peril of colonial reenactors who have been in character far too long storming in and attempting to burn down the witchcraft and magical town of Newton. So stay tuned, it's going to be great.